Hey, how you doing, guys? This is George and Ali from the Not The Top 20 podcast. This is our betting show, which is sponsored by Betfair. We're getting together today, although neither of us know what day it is, to talk about some EFL action, which will take place on New Year's Day on the 2nd of Jan and the 3rd of January days. How are you, my friend? How was your appearance on Quest last night? Yeah, it was good. Thanks, mate. Good to be on with Colin and Clinton. We had a, a quite a fun fire fun conversation during the break where colin and clinton were discussing if if there was a, f- a big fight like a royal rumble between all the different people who work on quest who would they want to who would they want to team up with and i mean i mean i, I was kind of kind of go through my notes remember what i was going to say not really engaging and both of them immediately were like well obviously george valley yeah george valley what uh which is nice and i was like oh cool and then they both agreed that actually we'd just be a, a trio it would be us three it'd be me Colin and Clinton would be the best at fighting. Wow. So I don't know if that's, what? I, as I'm saying it, I'm wondering if I thought it was a compliment at the time. Maybe I would like to not be seen as a good fighter. Well, I'm I'm sure if, I'm sure if the question was, who would you want to be your lover? They'd have chosen you. Instantly, my brain goes Ashton Parkin. I'd be confident of beating Murray, Morrison, Ellick in a Royal Rumble. So and that's not even Murray... involving Michael Brown, who I think would be very, very handy in those situations. I think both Murray and Morrison were very keen on getting some youth on side. <laughs> they seemed to think that was a big, and I kind of had to remind them that even though you know, David Pratton, I think, once thought we were about 21 when we were 30, uh, we're maybe not quite as young as, as they think we are. But they... Speak for yourself there, because I'm not 30 for another six months. I, I disclosed my age and they were still happy to have me, so that was good. This podcast is for over 18s only. We're talking about betting on the EFL and gambling comes with significant risks. So if you're listening to this podcast, please, this is for over 18s only. And crucially, we ask that anyone listening be gamble aware, understand the risks that come with gambling. And if you're thinking of placing a bet over the next few days, make sure you are aware of the risks. BeGambleAware.org in order to brush up on them. Last week, we picked 10 goal scorers. The goal scorer extravaganza in the end was less of an extravaganza because only five of them played. Uh, Postponements, of course, and absences as well, which kept some of those players off the pitch, meant that three of your picks were void, George, and sadly, Tavernier and Shane Ferguson did uh, not do the business for you. Ross Stewart very much did for me, thankfully. What a man he is. Half a point winner at 7-2, first goal scorer, and one point winner at 8-5 to five for the any time he scored first against Doncaster. Um, the other two of mine that played, Callum Robinson, five shots in total, one on target, which was a big chance, wasn't it? Saved by Allsop of Derby. Uh, that was frustrating. And Ladapo had four shots, three on target. Poor finishing, both in my bad books. Adebayo and Beasley didn't play. George, we currently have 28 games of 36 going ahead, and I want to know, out of them, what is your nap? What looks best to you? We're back to the normal weekly structure here. Blackpool playing Hull. Oh, double Double nap. nap. Hey, that's fun. We we really should have checked before we did the podcast. Uh, 23 to 20 they are. Um, I know that you will have some good reasons, so I'll make mine fairly swift. Uh, just one of those cases where the form book might read Blackpool losing their last two games, but if we're going to look at their performances, that is pretty misleading. Um, they were 2-1 and up and playing well against Huddersfield before uh, Lawrence Gabriel's red cards um, saw the game entirely shift and they lost the game 3-2. Uh, for Whilst that game was 11-11, v they were away from home against a side currently in sixth and they were the better team. They then went to Borough, a Borough team who've been 
wiping the floor with most uh, sides recently. They had to switch formation. They switched to a five at the back because they didn't have any centre midfielders uh, with Ryan Wintel out um, and uh, Sonny Carey injured and um, Kevin Stewart injured. So uh, only Kenny Dougal is their only fit centre midfielder. Switched to a five at the back, played against the Borough team who we know are very good. And they, well, look at it one of two ways. Either Borough put in their worst performance thus far under Chris Wilder or Blackpool were good enough to stop Borough from doing what they've been doing recently. Um, they look like they've got a very deserved point uh, with a, an injury time goal from the Truffle Big, who's back truffling. Every day he's truffling again in 2022. Um, before a, a brilliant bit of play, a great tackle, a good run, a good bit of uh, vision from Isaiah Jones, set up Duncan Watmore to score in the 93rd minute and send the Borough fans into absolute delirium. Um, so two decent performances in my book, two defeats and they're up against a Hull side who I looked to get against on Boxing Day because of their COVID issues. They, they postponed on the morning of the game against Blackpool. Uh, we can probably assume that if, if this goes ahead, there are going to be absentees. Um, you would have thought where well, how many and how severe we don't know, but we've also seen recently that teams who have had a bit of a break due to COVID have struggled um, to hit the ground running when they've come back. I think that might be the case here. So I think it'll be a pretty tough ask for Hull to get anything from this. I think Blackpool, uh, if they can, if Neil Critchley can manage to rally the troops because they've had to deal with two pretty nasty late blows in their last two games um, when they haven't deserved to come away with, with no points from them. Um, I think they should be, uh, yeah, I think, you know, they're 50% being that even money line, which side of that would you put them on to win this one? Um, I think it's much closer to being odds on than, than the 23 to 20 is. Well, I certainly was going to talk about their good performances in defeat. Uh, you've already done that. Uh, the reason this was my nap and it feels almost a little surreal, to be honest, e- even after two years almost of, of this pandemic, that, that we're talking about an infectious virus while discussing which teams we're backing in the EFL this weekend. But but here we are. We have to talk about this. If you're having a bet at the moment on the EFL, you have to think, what are these outbreaks? What are these conditions doing to teams' performance? And we clearly have fallen on the same side here. I feel like I've read a lot of managers' comments and quotes over the last few weeks. Uh, those who have suffered COVID outbreaks, those who have, whose teams have missed games. The one that stuck out most was Steve Morrison, who said the break has been not good at all for Cardiff. This is Morrison talking about Cardiff, said it's been like a mid-season break enforced. Effectively, the lads have had 10 to 12 days completely off their feet. The amount of players we had infected, they weren't even allowed to leave their house. They were at a different level of fitness to what they were prior. It was probably those quotes that that really made me realise that, of course, if you've got 10 players who have tested positive, as a lot of clubs seem to have had over the last few weeks, then they have had to spend at least seven days at home recuperating from an illness, recuperating from a virus, self-isolating. And clearly, we're talking about you know top-level athletes. That's not conducive to, to high performance, I don't think. I think we've seen it, haven't we, George, within our with our own eyes in the last few days. A couple of games we've played, teams have looked slow to get back in action. Certainly uh, the, the games in League 2, uh, the 2 nil nils in midweek, that seemed to be quite a clear sign uh, that teams were really taking a bit of time to get back in rhythm. And of course, Blackpool... They might be a little tired from having played two games in the last few days, but I would say they are in rhythm. I'm not expecting this whole City side to necessarily uh, be in rhythm. They've had to call back a guy from a loan at Spalding in the Northern Premier 
uh, to bolster the squad. So I, I don't think Haaland necessarily, you know, all ship shape. And as we know from that Boxing Day postponement, um, they clearly had uh, a fairly significant outbreak. So uh, I know that Critchley said Blackpool themselves have been near the cutoff because of absences. But as you say, their squad in midweek looked absolutely fine. Yes, Dougal looks like their only natural central midfielder, but we know Callum Connolly is very versatile and can do a perfectly good job in that central midfield role where really you just need to be fairly functional and, and Connolly can do that um, very well. So agree with you. It's a double nap. I think that the, the, the teams who have had outbreaks are losing a lot of intensity here. So Blackpool, 23-20 uh, to 20, was it, is our double nap with the Betfair Sportsbook this uh, this. I was going to say this weekend. Is it a weekend? Yes, it is a weekend. This weekend in the EFL. George, what's your next best? It is, and you're going to hate this. <laughs> you are going to hate this. It is the great escapers themselves. Derby County, Jorno Bet away at Reading. Just um, to stop you there, obviously, after everything I've just said about teams coming off the back of a long time off, obviously, I had circled this one as well because Reading okay. are coming off the back of a long time off. Of course, but then you remembered that you think Derby are terrible. No. So you thought, you know. No. <laughs> um, one for the Monday pod listeners there. If you don't listen to the Monday pod, get on it. So mischievous. Uh, seven to five, they are Derby drawing a bet, which seems just crazy to me. Um, you know, this this is a Reading side who have also, they are where they are in the league because they've uh, had points deducted. So they're in a false position. Um, but this is, at the moment, the team that Derby have to, have to point and shoot for. Um, some kind of boring amateur psychology but they you know the pressure in this game lies solely um with reading because you look at the league table at the moment and it looks like there are probably two relegation spots although derby are now only four points behind barnsley um a point that i keep making to people is that you can basically add a point onto derby's tally at the moment because if they are to bridge the gap they are going to have a better goal difference than whoever they end up uh, finishing alongside in 21st just by the nature of the amount of points they'd have to get um, so they are currently 11 points behind Reading. If they win this game, that means they'll be eight points behind Reading with a tie probably going in, in Derby's favour, which is, uh, you know, wh- however you like to dress it up or however you like to look at how many points they need for the rest of the season. Uh, with half a season basically left to go, eight points is a gap that is e- easily bridgeable, especially when you consider that Derby have won their last three games. They've won those games against three opposition teams who are better than Reading in Blackpool, West Brom and Stoke. I watched the Derby game last night against Stoke and it represented a massive uptick in terms of, of performance. They were by far the better team. You know, even Colin Murray, who um, Ali, as you know, is, is a big Stoke um He's not a big Stoke fan, but he's a big Michael O'Neill fan. And therefore, whilst Michael O'Neill is manager, he likes Stoke quite a lot. Even he said on Quest last night, it was the most deserving of goals. When when Luke Plange put them 1-0 up, they were all over them. They were battering them. They had all the ball. They looked the most dangerous side. Uh, Stoke naturally came into it from a goal down. And after drawing level, you probably felt like it was going to be Stoke who would go on if anyone did. But no, Derby came back into the game massively. And it was a, a poor pass from Klukas that created the goal. But Colin Kazim Richards coming off the bench for the second time to get a winner. And that is that's what I said last night. It's a big part of this now is you felt at the beginning of the season like Derby had a starting 11 and then absolutely nothing behind it. Whereas now the fact they're able to bring on Ravel Morrison and, and Colin Kazim Richards in order to change the game and to, you know, to give them that boost in the second half of games is, is a huge plus. You know, you think back to that Peterborough match early in the season where they were ahead and they conceded twice in injury time and lost the game. You know, they're now a team who are, who are finishing well. Their defensive capabilities are good. You know, I, I'm not, I'm still not sitting here saying they are a, a, a 
you know, on pure merit and mid-table team, but their performances at the moment are better than what we've seen before. And the market still absolutely hates them for Reading to be such short favourites uh, at home to them after their own break, having won one game in their last five. And, you know, as we've said plenty of times on this podcast, I think Reading have picked up more points than they deserve this season, uh, as the Derby may have done as well. So for, for Reading to be six to five, I, I cannot see at all. This is Derby's easiest assignment of the four. Now, that doesn't always equate to a win, obviously, but I think taking the draw um, as insurance and still getting odds against about a Derby win is, is you know, almost the fact that it would be four wins in a row is the thing putting me off <laughs> because um, teams who are, who are like that don't often win those that many games in a row, especially when, um, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're never likely to, to blow a team away. But I think if they put in a similar performance to what we saw against Stoke last night, it's going to be very, very difficult for Reading to um, to have any answer for it. So Derby draw no better. Seven to five is my next best. My next best is Scunthorpe United. Two to one to beat Carlisle United in League Two this weekend. The two to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. And this is linked to what I said a few minutes ago about my suspicion that teams coming off the back of no football for two weeks including a lot of positive COVID cases a lot of isolating are lacking an intensity and performance are taking a bit of time to to get up to speed Uh, Carlisle fit that bill Uh, unfortunately for them they've had a really tough few weeks they missed their last two games uh, due to COVID outbreak within the squad uh, Keith Millen's been talking about it on their club website. He has obviously been very frustrated with the situation. I think it's been a difficult time for him uh, and for the whole club, really. Uh, those who tested positive via PCR, he said, had to isolate for the seven days. So for the Rochdale game and with our injured players included, it meant we'd have a weakened team and just one substitute along with a goalkeeper. So that game didn't go ahead, nor did their next one. They're back for this game. But Carlisle have, I think, six players out injured. Uh, and according to Millen, only one of them's even back in training over the last two weeks. So I don't expect any of the injured players, let alone those who tested positive, uh, to be back ready here. I don't think that, Car- that Carlisle, based on the evidence that I have in front of me and my opinion on what it means, will be very sharp here. And could this be the sharpest that Scunthorpe have been for 18 months, two years, two and a half years? Maybe. There's, an, there's certainly a chance that I'm overreacting to that second half last uh, on Boxing Day against Oldham. You know, it was 23rd versus 24th. Oldham went ahead through a screamer. And Scunthorpe just came galloping back into that game. They were excellent in the second half. They scored three good goals. Loft and Hippolyte in particular were playing very well. Bunn was playing very well. It's the first time I've seen a Scunthorpe team attack with quality and uh, energy and just exciting attacking play for a long time and it adds to our theory that Keith Hill was an excellent appointment for them and that under Keith Hill Scunthorpe are improving to the point where they should probably not be relegated this season uh, uh, you know a month or two after it feeling like that was the, the obvious outcome so feeling very positive about Scunthorpe it's the best I've seen them play since they've dropped down from League One that's for sure and it makes me feel like they could sort of hit the ground running in this game against Carlisle United. You know, all the, the aforementioned good attacking players should be feeling confident, fit, firing, etc. Uh, they didn't play in midweek. So I'm hoping that this is the one for Scunthorpe to finally put together a, a, a decent run of wins. I think they're going to beat Carlisle this weekend in the 2-1 to one price. That is my next best. Don't forget that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions on match odds for all EFL games. That is applicable to singles and multiples. So if you're betting on match odds for 
any EFL game this weekend on the Betfair Sportsbook. There'll be no cash-out suspensions whatsoever. Uh, we're using the Betfair Exchange now. What will you be laying this weekend? Bit of a speculative one, this one, mate. I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm massively keen on it, but I do think that Forest Green might be a little bit short at 1.58 to beat Stevenage at home. Um, partly because of what we've already mentioned. You know, they've had a long break. The break couldn't really come, have come at a worse time for them off the back of that ridiculous 5 all draw against Oldham, um, where they've seen a couple of teams around them, Tranmere, uh, Northampton, pick up points whilst they've been unable to, to stake a claim to, to turn around that form. Um, they're up against a Stevenage side who... I think are yet to win under Paul Tisdale. Um, but there have been some signs in isolation. You know, you mentioned Scunthorpe there. Steven is with a better side against Scunthorpe a couple of weeks ago in the battle between the two managers. And uh, midweek this week, they were by far the better side against Swindon. Uh, you know, Swindon side who, even though they're going through their own little blip with a winless run of four, um, we still probably didn't expect Steven to turn up at the county ground and be the better side to dominate the game. Um, so there might just be a, a couple of signs there that Stevenage might be kind of turning a corner, I guess. Um, and I'm happy to take a chance on that against the Forest Green side, who might be caught a bit cold. Uh, and this one could be a bit of a banana skin um, against a Stevenage side who come into this knowing that you know anything they get out of the game will be will be a bonus. You know, it wouldn't be a massive shock, obviously, to see Forest Green put in one of their Forest Green performances and win at five nil. But um, at nearly two on, I think there's enough there to make me. Um, happy to have a, a just chance uh, chance my arm against them so 1.58 laying for a screen at home to switch to, to uh, stevenage yeah i i'm gonna be putting up a lay of west brom uh home to cardiff this weekend at i'm gonna put up the lay at 1.6 this morning and this is you know speculative if you like that they're, they're short enough that at, you know with a one point lay i'm only losing next 0.6 points uh if west brom do the business but in doing the business, they have to do something that they haven't done for quite a long period of time now, and that is cut loose a little, and that is play with extra quality and, crucially, extra composure, which they've been lacking massively in recent weeks. Uh, in the draw with Barnsley, in the defeat to Derby County, did West Brom have a fair amount of territory? Yes. Did they create some chances? Yes. But fewer, it seems, game by game, and... I think if there's one thing we are fairly confident about now, it's that the West Brom fans are not loving this. And there's probably some anticipation or excitement that they will sign a striker in January and that that could genuinely uncork what needs uncorking when it comes to West Brom. I'm not going to go over the top and, and suddenly flip and say they're doing everything wrong. Because in general, you know, the way we think about football is if you, in general, have many more opportunities, much more territory, more shots, more good shots than your opposition, then you're probably going to win more games than you lose. But recently, uh, West Brom have had a huge issue in front of goal. I think the confidence has been massively affected, and I don't think playing at home helps with that because this rather disappointing, rather despondent West Brom fan base are going to leap on any frustrating finishes, any poor crosses and passes. Uh, and I think Cardiff can take some heart from that. So um, Cardiff didn't go that well in Bournemouth in midweek, but I think the scoreline probably doesn't reflect that in the first half they were pretty good as far as I could see before Bakuna's mindless red card. So uh, a Cardiff side uh, going to the Hawthorns and I'm laying West Brom. So I think a Cardiff result is on the cards here. I'm laying West Brom at 1.6 using the Betfair Sportsbook. That's a one-point lay, so I will lose 0.6 points if West Brom get the job done. Uh, goals and goal scorers to finish off, George. 
Yeah, goals going to a, a familiar source of goals, which is my beloved Yellows, um, <clears throat> who hosts Cheltenham Town on New Year's Day. Uh, Cheltenham are, are really confusing me at the moment because under Mike Duff, we've, we've known Duff's Cheltenham for enough time now um, to know what they're about, to know that even when they're poor, they're generally a team who don't concede too many chances. Um, but at the moment, they are conceding goals like they are going out of fashion. Um, they have conceded in their last uh, six games. They've conceded two against Bolton. They conceded four against Wimbledon in the Cup. Five at home to Cambridge. Two at home to Lincoln, who don't score any goals. Three away at Shrewsbury, who didn't score any goals. Uh, and then two at home to Plymouth. Uh, away from home, if you're looking at their last five games, uh, or you can even go back further. If you look at their games this season away from home, they've had a 4-1 uh, Preston in the Cup. They've had a 5-0 away at Sunderland, a 3-2 away at Donny, a 2-all away at uh, Bolton, 4-3, the one I mentioned earlier, and 3-1. So they are, I mean, in a weird twist of fate, if we had done a best on quest this season, I think Cheltenham might be up there for it because all their games are, um, are incredibly open. And you don't need me to tell you that Oxford's games, especially at home, are often the same as well. I don't need to tell you, do I? No, you just, just shake their head. But Oxford, as a Carl Robinson, we know what we're going to get. We know we're going to get three ball-playing midfielders, probably five wingers and a striker on the pitch at one time. Um, it is always attacking. It's always looking to score any opportunity. Sometimes um, the defensive side of things dips because of that, although against Wimbledon in midweek, it wasn't the case. Wimbledon barely laid a glove on them. Um, but I do think here goals are on the are on the cards. And I'm not even going to go over two and a half. I'm going to go over three and a half at 15 to eight. Um, as we've seen, that cops in the majority of Cheltenham's away games and they're up against a side who... Um, are normally involved in more goals than, than most. So 15 to 8 over 3.5, Oxford versus Cheltenham Town. That's exciting. Uh, that game forms part of my over 2.5 goals treble. Uh, one game from each EFL division, the Oxford-Cheltenham game, is my leg for League One, unsurprisingly. I was actually surprised to see that Oxford's home games have only averaged 2.92 goals per game this season because I, I expected it to be higher than that. That's partly because you've drawn nil-nil against Rotherham and against Wickham. Uh, but basically any game against anyone else has seen Oxford generally rack up three, uh, in one case, five goals against Accrington. I'm feeling good about that one at uh, 1.75, I think it is. Uh, the championship leg is Bournemouth against Peterborough. Peterborough away from home, really struggle to defend. Bournemouth at home, uh, well, a very, very high scoring record because unlike some people think, Bournemouth actually not that good defensively at home. They've conceded more than a goal a game at Dean Court at the Vitality, uh, but they've scored over two goals a game. So 3.25 goals per game in Bournemouth home games and 3.25 goals per game in Peterborough away games. Most of them scored by the opposition. So uh, over 2.5 is 8 to 11 there. And to finish it off, an odds against pick, Leighton Orient against Bristol Rovers. Uh, this is, well, we've seen Leighton Orient play at home and they just have such a, an effective way of attacking, particularly at home. And we know that once they get one or two, um, they can very easily rack up the score if, if teams aren't at it. They've scored four against Sutton, four against Swindon, three against Exeter, you know, all good sides, five against Hartlepool, four against Oldham at home this season. They've had a couple of games where it didn't go so well. They have drawn three blanks against Mansfield, Harrogate and Walsall. Um, but I think there's a, a good chance that Orient can rack up the score. And then I noticed that Bristol Rovers' games against good sides, against top 10 sides this season, have had a lot of goals in them. Apart from a 2-0 defeat away at Forest Green, 
every other game they've played against a top 10 team has gone over 2.5 goals. A 2-1 win against Northampton, 2-all against Tranmere, and then all of these defeats, 2-1 to Vale, 3-1 to Newport, 3-1 to Swindon, 4-1 to Exeter, 2-1 to Mansfield, 3-1 to Orient in the first fixture. Something about playing the better teams in the division. Rovers uh, are just too loose, too open. They get exploited. And I think Orient can do that here. So it's an over 2.5 goals treble. The price is 6.35 with the Betfair Sportsbook. And it's Bournemouth Peterborough over 2.5 goals. Oxford Cheltenham and Leighton Orient Bristol Rovers over 2.5 goals as well. That's my goals treble. Remember that with Betfair, if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you will receive a £5 free bet also for use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply there. Check them out on the Betfair website. If you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders, you'll receive a £5 free bet to use also on multiples or bet builders. George, goal scorer to finish. Udo, Udo. Daniel Udo, 11-4. <laughs> 11-4, to four, Daniel Udo to score any time at home to Sheffield Wednesday. Shrewsbury, incredibly unlucky, unfortunate uh, to not beat Accrington in midweek. I know Accrington had 23 shots, but if you watch back the replays, you'll see the amount of good chances that Shrewsbury did miss. Um, Luke Lee, he missing a couple of very good chances. One, basically open goal, which he poked wide. Udo with a couple of opportunities as well. He looks to me to be Shrewsbury's biggest goal threat at the moment. That's not reflected in the prices. Um, Sheffield Wednesday coming off the back of conceding five against Sunderland, who weren't even really at their best. I'm not entirely sure what happened there, but um, they will, you know, based on what I've seen from those two teams this week, Shrewsbury will get opportunities here. And um, and I think Udo is the man, the value uh, to put one of those away. So 11-4, Daniel Udo to score any time for Shrews. And mine is... Tom Lawrence to score any time for Derby County. Wow, look at you coming around to the great escape. That's nice, isn't it? Four to one with the Betfair Sportsbook. As I said, I don't hate that Derby pick of yours. And I thought, who could I get with to score a goal here? Well, I know that we've had the emergence of Luke Plange recently. Plange. Is it two goals in his first two games? Uh, first three. Amazing. Three. Three starts. An amazing yeah. emergence onto the scene from Luke Plange, but Derby, who don't have a ton of goal threats, have one major goal threat, I think, and it's Tom Lawrence. Now, I don't think Tom Lawrence's shooting is as good as maybe he thinks it is. And I do sometimes get quite frustrated with the amount of shots that Tom Lawrence takes. But frankly, this is a Derby side who don't have enough high-volume shooters or even mid-volume shooters or even shooters so Lawrence's long-range threat I suppose is actually quite a strong string to their bow um, Reading faced the most shots in the league in the championship uh, shots per game faced 15.9 the next worst is Bristol City 14.5 and then Peterborough at 13.5 so Peterborough who are generally known as a pretty shoddy defensive side still face over two and a half shots less per game than uh, than Reading they are very susceptible to people letting fly from range some of the games they've had this season in terms of shots against, have been crazy. Cardiff, albeit with 10 men for Reading, had 27. Coventry, 25. Fulham, 25. West Brom, 25. QPR, 22. They just consistently let opposition teams have a ton of shots. And who loves to take them? Tom Lawrence. In fact, in the reverse fixture, which Derby won 1-0 against Reading, Lawrence had seven shots. I'd be very keen on him at 4-1 to one, if he has anything like seven shots. Normally he's having three, four, five efforts uh, and that's what I'm hoping for. And he's on penalties as well. 
Tom Lawrence at 4-1 to one is an anytime goal scorer pick. He is my goal scorer selection for this weekend's betting show. Before we finish, George, Ehrlich, please recap your selections on this week's Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. My nap is Blackpool. Uh, next best is Derby draw no bet. Laying Forest Green over three and a half goals, Oxford Cheltenham and Daniel Udo anytime in 11 to 4. It's a double nap. Blackpool are also my nap at the same price. I'm also backing Scunthorpe at 2 to 1 to win at home to Carlisle. 2 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook. I'm laying West Brom at 1.6 using the Betfair Exchange. My over 2.5 treble. Bournemouth, Peterborough, Oxford, Cheltenham and Leighton Orient, Bristol Rovers at 6.35. And lastly, my goal scorer, the shot-happy Tom Lawrence to score for Derby against Reading. That would certainly bode well for George's next best pick of Derby draw, no bet. He's 4-1, to one, Lawrence, with the Betfair Sportsbook. Up the Tom Lawrence. Last week before Christmas happened, you gave a lovely message to the listeners in which you said, and I'll wish you a happy new year next week. So here's your chance to lead us out, George. Your message to the Not The Top 20 listeners as 2021 becomes 2022. Have an amazing year.